Welcome to another episode of the Waypoint Pastors Wives podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Stacey Bishop, and I'm your host, and I'm here to encourage you, support you, and help you feel like you are not running this journey as a pastor's wife alone. Thanks for joining us. Hey, friends, welcome to episode 13 of the podcast. It is March as of today when you are possibly hearing this. And it is hard to believe that we have made it through this much of winter. However, it feels like winter in a lot of ways, if you know what I'm talking about. There's so much going on in our world right now that is challenging and hard to understand. And you can have so many different feelings about it. And that's, you know, on top of church work. So in the past couple of weeks, personally, it's been a lot. My One of my really good friends, her father was in the hospital uh, in Georgia. We live in Virginia. And she went down, it'll be a month ago, March 2nd, to be with her parents because her dad was not well. And it's been this journey of, oh, he's doing better. He's going to make it. And then I don't think we're, I don't think he's going to make it. And he finally passed away after like 27 or 28 days in the hospital just this past weekend. And being there for her when she's in Georgia felt so difficult. Like I felt like I couldn't be a good friend because I couldn't sit there and hold her hand or give her a hug. And that that's hard. That makes ministry hard when that stuff is weighing on you. In the middle of all of that, we're in a building process at our church, and we're about to have our occupancy certificate so that we can go in and start decorating and putting in our furniture. And as the leader of our worship and uh, production ministries, there is a lot on me to get that particular portion of the new building right, to work with contractors to make everything happen and make decisions about how things are going to work in a new building with two services instead of three, coordinating volunteers, all of that has been a lot. And I'm sure you all are going through things too, that you've got just a lot on your plate where everything seems to be a little stressful. And it feels very hard to relax sometimes. It feels very hard to um, to be at peace with what we're doing as a pastor's wife, because I don't know about you, but I always feel like I could be doing something more. And that never stops. That that mindset never stops. Some of that is my Enneagram One personality, where I have this inner voice in me that's an inner critic that's always telling me I'm doing something wrong or not good enough, or I should be doing something more. And so that's a battle I fight a lot anyways. But I was thinking about, you know, what does it look like to be a pastor's wife? What are we supposed to be doing? And I was reminded that this role is not in the Bible. There's not a specific list of here's how you are supposed to function. Here's what you're supposed to do. However, we are taught how to be God's ambassadors, how to be representatives of Jesus Christ in this world. 
And so I want to help us kind of take the pressure off of ourselves because I believe if we are being a good Christian, if we are, you know, emulating Christ and we are striving to maintain a good relationship with him, we're going to be doing and hearing from him what we should be doing as a pastor's wife. And that's all that matters. And I was thinking through all these ideas last week and I was listening to my husband run his sermon for the, for the next Sunday. And I was reminded of these phrases that he often uses to describe how we are to behave. This particular week, we were talking about blessed are the peacemakers, which was ironic because we have war breaking out all over the world right now. And it feels heavy. Um, but God had timed this sermon perfectly for this week. And Craig talked about us being the outflow of peace. We were called God's ambassadors. We are sent. And then another example that Craig often uses is he calls us a conduit of grace or a conduit of love. A conduit is a channel that conveys water or other fluid through it, or it contains wiring of some sort to keep it protected. The conduit itself isn't super helpful on its own. A conduit that's empty doesn't have anything to pass through it. But we are conduits of love and grace. When we experience God's love, God's grace, God's peace, it flows through us to others. That's how we are an ambassador. One of my favorite books um, that I have used a lot in worship ministry, studying and teaching our teams is How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. And it's an awesome book. It really challenged our teams to think about what it looks like to lead worship, what that means. And one of our favorite verses that's become our our worship team verse is 1 Peter 2.9, which says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So what, what does it mean that we are a royal priesthood? Well, it means we are priests. And the role of the priest, what does that look like? Simply put, the job of the priest, our job, is to worship God and to teach others how to worship God. In the Old Testament, we see that one of the jobs of the priest was to steward the tabernacle, which was the place that God had set apart and consecrated as a meeting place between him and his people. With the Holy Spirit in the picture now, we ourselves become a meeting place because he dwells in us. Everywhere we go then becomes a place and an opportunity for someone to meet with God through us. We carry in us the presence and the power of God. First Peter 2, 5 actually says, you are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We are the priests and the tabernacle. It's kind of like diplomatic immunity. Wherever the diplomat is, that place he is standing temporarily becomes the nation he represents as an ambassador. Likewise, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are Christ's ambassadors. 
what if we acted like that? What if we took that on as our role instead of saying I'm a pastor's wife because that has so many potential negative connotations. But what if we lived like we were Christ's ambassadors? Wherever we step foot is holy ground because we carry with us the presence of God. Another job of the priests was to minister to God. In fact, the second most used word for worship in the Bible is latreo. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it means to minister to God. We often think of this as ministry to our congregation. We are ministering to our congregation. But there's no word in the Bible that actually gives us the idea that we are ministering to man. Our ministry is for God. And I think that's why in the worship world, at least, we have a lot of wars over people's preferences of music style and song choices because we've made it so much about man. Obviously, to do God's work, we certainly have to be about the people, but we have to be sure that ministering to him is our primary goal. Zach Neese said it this way in the book I mentioned, How to Worship a King. He says, as long as ministry to man is our primary goal, we are not priests. We are only philanthropists and not very good ones. And that makes me cringe a little bit because it is so easy to focus on man and ministering to man and man's preferences and not the heart of God. You know, a third job given to the priests was to bless the people. We do this by equipping them to fulfill their calling to worship God, to serve as his priests, by teaching them how to worship. Like the Great Commission, our challenge is this. Go, my friends, and be the priests God made you to be. Be a tabernacle building, God-ministering, presence-carrying, people-blessing priest. Those are the words of Zadkanis again. This idea of being a conduit, does it not take the pressure off? You know, the priests carry the presence of God. We carry the presence of God with us. We are a conduit through which God's love flows. But we are not the source of love. We are not the source of peace. We are not the source of healing. We are not the source of hope. God is. The Holy Spirit living within us is. And I think if we can allow that to be the way we view our roles as pastor's wives, it really does take the pressure off. Where has God loved you that you can express that love to others? How has God shown you his peace and his joy and his hope that you can turn around and let that flow through you to others? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. God did the hard work. It flows through us. But it is one of those things that there is no right or wrong way to do this. You know, much like they say parents should be sent home from the hospital when they have a new baby with a user's manual, wouldn't it be easier if we just had one of those for pastor's wives too? I suppose it's possible that exists in some church somewhere, and for that I am so sorry, friends. But in some ways, yeah, I think it would be kind of helpful to, to know what is expected of us. What does God expect of us? Not necessarily man, but I think we'd end up with a very legalistic view of our roles instead of a view that is kingdom-minded. You know, so many times in different pastors' wives community groups, the questions surround the idea of what are we supposed to be doing? 
obviously we don't have it all figured out for a variety of reasons. And one of the biggest blessings God gave us is uniqueness. No two of us are alike in our skills, our attitudes, our gifts, our callings. Yet that uniqueness is what drives us to play the comparison game. The way that God created us individually and intentionally is what drives us to play the comparison game. We see one woman doing something that we consider to be good, and we wonder why we can't seem to pull off that same thing. We see some pastor's wives who seem to just be naturally gifted in all the right areas, whether it's wisdom or teaching or loving or hospitality or whatever, and then we know our own struggle with each of these things, and we compare. We have to stop. That comparison came today, sisters. We have to stop. God did not create you to look like the pastor's wife down the street. He created you to look like him. He created you to use what he has given you to let them flow through you to other people. You know, in that he has given us all unique gifts and passions and personalities. And we need to learn to embrace the fullness of what God has given us specifically without comparing it to others. We're not meant to look alike. This same name in my Bible reading recently has come up multiple times. And so it felt like one of those things that kept popping up, maybe for a reason. Maybe God was saying, hey, you should check this out. Well, here's what mine was a few weeks ago. In Exodus, God's giving Moses instructions on how to build the tabernacle so that his presence could have a, a home among his people. This is what we were talking about with the priests. He was giving them the directions for how to build the place that the priests would take care of. And the details are really just, they're mind-blowing to me. There's so much delicate, intricate work, so much, you know, not just wood, but metal and priceless jewels and gemstones and fabric and tapestries. And it's a lot. It is a lot. And this is all in the days before power tools and sewing machines. And so it's hard to imagine how God thought man could accomplish all of this. But then we read in Exodus 31, 1 through 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by my name Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of craftsmanship, to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for settings and to carve wood so that he may be a master of every craft. Reading through that, I noticed Bezalel more than I ever had before. Uh, and prior to the Holy Spirit dwelling within man, prior to Jesus coming, we see in this example the Spirit filling a man to give him these very specific talents so he could be, quote, a master of every craft. It also kind of blows my mind that with this giant project, God didn't give these gifts to a team of people. He gave them to Bezalel, one man. Later that same week, I was reading through the brand new book, God So Close by Becky Thompson, which actually was released today, March 1st. And Bezalel popped up again. And I thought, there he goes. God's telling me something. And she says, Becky says in this, in this particular section of the book, do you know what I love about this? The Lord told Moses that Bezalel had received supernatural wisdom. 
Bezalel wasn't just a guy who knew what to do because he had years of practice or earthly academics. He had been chosen by God and given supernatural ability that came through the power of the Holy Spirit. Essentially, God told Moses, Bezalel is doing my work as if I were doing it myself. You probably didn't have any idea that you were going to be a pastor's wife when you were a kid. You may not have had any idea, even as an adult, that being a pastor's wife was in your future, but God did. He will equip you for the task he has assigned you. In fact, he has already equipped you for the task he has assigned you because he gave you the power of the Holy Spirit living within you. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. But if you felt qualified and capable of doing this job well on your own, you would find too many reasons to boast in yourself and not give credit to God for the work he does through you. You are a conduit. You are not the gift and the message itself. You are the conduit. I love my role as a pastor's wife, but it's the fact that I'm an introvert that keeps me humble. Any interactions that I have with people at church or in the world that are for him are only done by him because my nature would have me in a corner staying quiet or avoiding the people I knew in the grocery store, which sometimes I still do if I'm not in the right mood, which is a terrible thing to admit, but we're all human here. But that being said, how do we get out of our own heads? Our society is a constant comparison game, constantly looking for faults and scandal in people, constantly looking for reasons to discredit people in ministry. And it's really difficult to not have that don't screw it up mindset. My, my small group was discussing something similar a couple weeks ago, and it stuck with me. And it's really about a perspective change. In the book Breaking Free from Body Shame by Jess Connolly, she talks about the way we treat our bodies as projects oftentimes. And I think it relates here. You know, so many times we get ready for a big event like a class reunion or a wedding or a family holiday gathering. And. We feel the need to get our bodies ready. You know, we got to get beach ready before the summer, before someone sees us. We treat them like a project. When talking with her counselor about this topic, the counselor asked Jess, what is the truest thing about you? What do you bring into every one of those spaces that you enter? Reading from chapter four in that book, she says, I'm pretty sure I had to leave our session that day without answering because I had to think about it. There were a lot of answers I wanted to give, but they felt like what I was supposed to say and not what I knew to be true. It took me a few weeks, but I got to my answer, and the truth of it is still transforming me. The truest thing about me, the most valuable aspect of myself that I bring into every situation and relationship is that God loves me, calls me his friend, and has made me his ambassador. This truth doesn't rely on my work or my goodness, so it doesn't become false after a hard day or in a tough season, but the fact that I'm loved transforms how I love and serve others. It shifts me and it sends me. It changes my perspective in the moment and pushes me into the future with a purpose. The fact that God called me a friend is what makes me able to be a friend to others. The calling, mission, vision, and purpose he has written into my life enables me 
to walk through the world with hope and healing in my hands. And I love those paragraphs so much. What a beautiful picture of the conduit that we are. The truest thing about you isn't what you wear on Sunday, what you weigh, how well you wrangle your kids into church, how well you sing the songs or teach the class or whatever you do. The truest thing about you is that God loves you, calls you his friend, and has made you his ambassador. When we walk into our roles with that perspective, we go in seeking out who we can love on today, not worrying about what everyone else might be thinking about us or some other lie in our head that has us second guessing what God was doing when he put us in this role. It's about shifting our perspective from self to others. It's about loving people because we are loved. It's about letting that love and that grace and that mercy and that peace that we have experienced flow through us. But that means we have to be grounded in his love for us. So I want to ask a more personal question of each of you. And I know we are pastor's wives who theoretically should have all of this together, but I also know better than that. Are you guilty of working for God and not with God? Not letting God work through you. It's easy in vocational ministry to be so caught up in prepping for the next event, even studying to teach a class, but yet not actually growing the depth of our own personal relationship with Christ. I remember our early years of ministry between being in a difficult church situation, having a brand new baby and a health crisis. I never made it a priority to be in the word on my own. And I can recognize that more clearly now. I definitely had the mindset of, I just don't have time. But that is always a cop-out. I'm sorry, friends. It just is. You can make the time. We make time to do the things that we want to do. And this one has to rank right up there with eating food daily. We have to nourish our souls because no one is going to do that for us. Many of you are great at this. You've had years of dedication and discipline to get it right, to make it into a habit. But it's not something that just happens unless we prioritize it. So simple thought, of course, but are you really doing your part to grow in your understanding of the Lord and through that, his love for you? We can't love others well if we don't live like we are loved beings. If we do not understand the depth of the love that God has for us, his children, We cannot be the conduit through which love flows. And so I want to challenge you to really examine yourself for a couple of things. One, work to answer this question just like Jess Connolly did with her therapist. What is the truest thing about you? What do you bring into every one of those spaces that you enter? Two, If this is a constant struggle of thinking about yourself and what you're supposed to be doing as a pastor's wife, start praying each day that God would show you who to love. When we go looking to be a blessing, when we go looking to be an outflow and the conduit of love and mercy in our lives, we get out of our own way. He shows us what to do and he gets the credit for it. Three, answer the question about whether or not you're prioritizing your own relationship with Jesus. If you're not, start now. Like, turn off this podcast and go read the Bible. That's how important it is. 
make the time. It really does exist. If you are, but you're still struggling with this pastor wife role, I'd love to recommend a few good books for you today. Really, whether or not you're you're struggling, these are great books to read. Uh, the first one Alpha Henry mentioned in our last episode, but it's Sacred Privilege by Kay Warren. It's an excellent resource, and I don't recommend every pastor's wife book because so many of them I find are written from a perspective of a megachurch pastor's wife that doesn't always really feel like it applies to me in a smaller church. I also love Lisa McKay's You Can Still Wear Cute Shoes. It was a pretty quick read, but definitely a great resource, especially for new pastors. She talks a lot about how you can be yourself in ministry and what that looks like. And I'll let you know, you can still wear cute shoes. Who knew? Number three is not pastor's wife related, but I did mention it. Uh, it's Breaking Free from Body Shame by Jess Connolly that I, I referenced earlier. Even if you don't think you struggle with body issues, it will be an eye-opening read about how we've strayed so far from the truth of what God intended for our bodies. I've loved going through this book with my small group. It's the kind of book that we inevitably cry every week, but it really is, um, I feel like chains being released. It's not sad cries. It's just letting the chains of that weight fall off of us. The fourth book I would recommend is, the I also referenced earlier, is God So Close by Becky Thompson. I had the privilege of getting to read it early as part of her launch team. And it is, again, it's out today. So you want to check that out and allow it to really change your perspective on how you minister to. It's, it's really a be beautiful example of how to live a spirit-led life, how to listen for the Holy Spirit's prompting and serve the people he's he's prompting you to minister to. And the fifth book I mentioned was How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. It's a worship book. It's very technical. It may not be for everyone, but it is a really challenging view of how we worship and what that looks like and what it means. And I would highly recommend it to any of you who are uh, also musical or worship-minded people. It's a good one. Um, but as we close today, I want to pray for our community of pastor's wives. I want to pray for the war that is is raging, not just in our world, but in our lives. Um, we live in the trenches, and the more prayers we have covering us, the better, because our, our enemy is real, and he is coming for those of us who are trying to fulfill the the purpose that God gave us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these women who are listening today. We thank you for their hearts to serve you. God, wherever they are in their journey as a pastor's wife, we pray that you would encourage them, that you would help them to feel surrounded by your love. Help them to remember how much they are loved by you. God, it's hard to imagine that you would give up your son so that we could have this opportunity to share him and to share you with others so many years later. God, we could never replicate that love, but I pray that we let that love flow through us to those we are 
ministering to, through those who are around us, to our sisters here in the community. God, I pray for our world. I pray for peace. I pray for Christians across the globe to be able to stand firm on the truth and to be able to withstand the enemy's attacks. God, I pray that you would help us to be vessels of peace. Help us to be uh, aware of when you're leading us to help. God, I pray for the leaders around the globe who are struggling with big decisions of what to do and how to help. And I just pray for peace, for wisdom that comes from you, and that more people would come to know you through this. God, may your power be displayed more mightily than ever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. I look forward to having another episode here in just a couple of weeks. This short month of February made this episode come very quickly. So it was exciting to get to hop on here and to join you guys I really am praying for you. I pray for you every day, and I am thankful for this opportunity. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Waypoint, and the incredible resources that they have available to you, your church, your pastor husband. They are such a great resource for encouragement and equipping, and there's lots of great events coming up, like the Art of the Sermon and Soul Care here in Winchester in April. Check those out at waypointchurchpartners.com slash events. I would love to see you. Pray you guys have a great week. Thanks for joining us.